Welcome back to another week of apologetics. We're continuing our series um, this week uh, as we discuss what is truth. How do we define what is true? Hope you enjoy. This is a marker. This is a marker. This is a marker. Originally, when I did it with you, Jay, when you were in seventh grade, it was this was a salt shaker with you and your brother at Wendy's. This is a marker. This is a marker. What is this? What is this? A marker. The marker's on the table. The marker. It's on the table. See this marker? The marker's on the table. The marker, where is it, Zach? Excellent. Okay, you guys are following. Excellent job so far. So far, all together. Marker is on the table. Why is that true? Or what makes it true? Why is that true? Or what makes it true? Jordan, you let your your head look down first. I'm going to pick on you. Why is that true? Or what makes it true? Kind of the same question, but I want to interpret it your way. What makes that true? Okay. Anybody else? Kiana, you look bored already. Why? Is that true? Because. Huh? Okay. Because it's a fact. What does that mean? It's an obvious statement. What makes it obvious? On the table. Okay, see it on the table. Okay, good. Caleb, you've been through this already once, so I'm gonna skip you. Let's go to Olivia over here. Olivia, she's like, I hate you. I hate you so much right now. Olivia, what makes that true? Because you put it there and you told us. Because I put it there and I told it. Excellent. Okay, Sam. You and your phenomenal hair. Tell me, what makes it true? Because there's sensory evidence. I can see it. Okay, so there's sensory. Man, he's using big words. Look at that. Everyone give him a round of applause. Sensory. Let's get back to this. If you're blind, is it still true? Yes. Yeah. So it doesn't come down to the fact that you can see it. If, let's just remove all senses, you are the most unlucky sucker on the planet, okay? You're deaf, you're blind, uh, you can't taste anything, uh, you can't smell anything, you can't feel anything. You're deaf, you are so unlucky. So you're a sensory, you're you're sensory, you know, for lack of a better term, or one that comes to me, you're illiterate, you're sensory illiterate, you can't see it. Is it still true? Yes. Okay, so that is the determining factor. It's not seeing it. It's not senses. So let's say one of you said testimony. Let's say uh, Micaiah is outside. She's enjoying cake. It's her third cake. I don't know why, but it's her third cake. She's out there stuffing herself on cake. And someone comes up to her and goes, hey, Micaiah, what's up? And she's like, I'm eating cake. And, and they go, guess what? And she's like, what? There's a marker on the table in there. Does that does that testimony make it true? No. No. It doesn't make it true. A good person could be a liar. A filthy liar who hates cake. Okay? So it has nothing to do with observation. It has nothing to do with sensory experience. The truth statement has nothing to do about testimony. Anyone want to get another guess of what makes this true? 
why is it true? Caleb, give it a shot. If you don't know it, that's fine. It's been three years. You're not supposed to remember um, anything. Because God wanted it to be there. Okay. So we're going to go with God wanted it to be there. Do we know the mind of God at this very moment? In a way, your answer is correct. No. Okay. Thanks. So, so since we're not on mission with the will of the Father, Andrew, what makes this statement true? Okay, what is a different way of saying it? Because it is. Yeah, because the mark is on the table, okay? It has nothing to do with the fact that you can see it. It has nothing to do with the fact that someone told Micaiah who was stuffing her face full of cake out in the other room. It has nothing to do with any of those things. It's true because the mark is on the table. That's it. It corresponds with reality. Here's the beautiful thing about Christianity. It makes it different than the vast majority of other world religions. It doesn't matter how Christianity makes you feel on the inside. It doesn't matter if a fire is burning in your bosom. What matters is the fact... Mormons use that phrase, so i got to say it. What matters is the fact that Christ died on the cross. And Christ rose again on the third day. It's a true statement about reality. And that Christ's sacrificial and willing death atoned for your sins. These are facts that have to go with reality. It's not nirvana. You're not, I am now one with nature. No, it, it does not, it doesn't matter. Our faith is built on a truth. And that truth has to correspond with reality. And this is called the correspondence. I'm going to spell it right. Theory of truth. And that's simply this. If a statement corresponds with reality, what do I mean when I say corresponds, Ian? What, is, what does corresponds mean? How about you give a guess? Kristen, what would correspond mean? Align. Okay? Reflect reality. If it reflects reality, then it's real. It's simple. But people get this wrong all the time when it comes to religion. Because you're supposed to take religion to yourself, and religion is really personal. It's my religion. I keep it in a bushel, and I hide it from everybody. Okay? At least that's what the culture wants you to believe. While this seems to be common sense, there are quite a few people who disagree with the theory of truth. Therefore, we must examine these different ideas. Now, this is why, again, it's so important, the Bible and truth. Jesus claims in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the... And the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Mark 14, 61 and 62 says, Again, the high priest asked them, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? What does Jesus say? I am. Bold statement. Yeah. I'm exactly who you see. I correspond with that reality. Okay? My favorite one, uh, John 4, he's talking to the Samaritan woman, and she says, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. 
On a side note, when people claim that Jesus never claimed to be the Christ, they haven't read their Bible. He claims it. Okay? Jesus is making claims about reality. So let's discuss four views of truth that we have to deal with. The first one is uh, very American. Thank you, USA and Uncle Sam. Not you, but the other guy. And that is called the pragmatic theory of truth. This is the astute definition. Are you ready? It's when I correct my posture and I talk very intelligently. Concept that truth is not determined by simple observation of reality, but rather by the results of a given proposition or set of propositions. Okay, layman's terms. <coughs> Whatever works equals true. If it works, it's true. We're going to get into an examination of it. This is what it, if you, this is more for you really heady people. William James, who many consider the father of pragmatisms, wrote this about the theory. You can say of a statement either that it is useful because it's true, or that it's true because it's useful. Okay? I'm going to let you see that for those of you that are visual. It is either useful because it's true, or it's true because it's useful. For James, um, both of these phrases mean exactly the same thing. For James. Namely, here is an idea that gets fulfilled and can be verified. Thus, truth is not determined by reality, but rather by the usefulness of the results. The individual makes this statement truth by the determination of its usefulness. William James continues, the truth of an idea is not a stagnant property inherent in it. So therefore, truth is not found in the marker on the table. Truth happens to an idea. Truth happens to that marker. It becomes true, and it's made true by events. So again, the thing that corresponds to reality, or namely is true, to the pragmatist, is made true not by the true statement. But you're going to see this thing a lot. So there's the true statement, there's the arrow, and there's our eyes, our vision of it, but namely, this is what makes it true. The event, how we perceive the event is what makes it true. Okay, we're going to get into some real life examples of it in a second, so for those of you that are lost, just stick with me real quick. Here's some critiques of pragmatism. Here's the positives. Validity when making practical decisions. It, this is good. You do this all the time. Okay? You have two options. Option one, clean your room like your mother asks. Option two, live in your filth until your dad comes home and makes you clean your room. Two options. Okay? You should be practical in making that decision. True. Okay? You could try both out. The first time, 
uh, you can listen to your mother. And the second time, you can have your rear end bruised and figure out which the best idea is. You can test either one out. Which one works for me? What makes it true? The fact is, finite man, finite man must be content with his limits of his finitude, especially in relation to an infinite God. So what I mean is, you don't know everything. So finite man must be okay with that. Pragmatists serve as a corrective role to dogmatists, so people who hold that um, are very stringent in their terms of methodology of the Christian faith. And a reminder to the Christian, now we see through the glass darkly, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. So here's the negatives. And that is, this definition, useful, is never explained. What do you mean by useful? What is good or useful? Listening to your mother or getting spanked by your father, therefore building an extra layer of padding on your rear. Good could be different for everyone. Listening to your mother could teach you how to relate to other people. For the future stunt double in the class here, getting that extra layer of padding placed on your back end might be more useful. <coughs> True? Mm-hmm. Any stunt doubles? Yeah? Uh, yeah? yeah? Taylor's like, no, never. <laughs> in some degree. Okay. Or film, yes. So, that ex- the fact is, that extra layer of padding could skyrocket your career. So it could be really good useful for you. And this reduces the view of truth to relativism, because it never is explained. What is useful? Well, it just could be useful for this person and different for this person. What is true and good for you may not be true and good for another. Sometimes, also, truth does not bring about positive results. If I'm completely honest on my tax return, guess what? The government takes more of my money than if I'm dishonest and claim seven children. Is my truth useful there? Not for my back pocket. Okay? So truth, that pragmatic view of it, doesn't always give positive results. So how is it true then? So here's an example of a false premise played out of whatever works is true. Take a perjurer in a court of law. Does everyone know what a perjurer is? No. A liar. Okay, never mind. Someone who commits perjury. In the court of law, a person may lie on the witness stand in order to prevent the conviction of a friend, but this lie is definitely not the truth. The lie worked, and it was useful, um, but was not truthful. And another example is consider a student who turns in a paper that was written by a different student. It may work for him, it may be very useful, but plagiarism is anything but truthful. It's a slight difference in placement. While it might not be true that plagiarism, it might be true that plagiarism paper got an A, it is not true that the plagiarized paper is worthy of an A. So further negatives. I also think it confuses cause and effect. James states that the proof for truth or effect was more important than the truth itself. Something isn't true because it works, or rather something works because it's true. And here's an example of it. 
an electrician, has gone and he's rewired the whole kitchen. Okay? He's, he thinks he's done. He's about to go flip that switch. Is it true? Because it turns on? Or is it true because it was already wired correctly? Does that make sense? What? Okay. What makes like much this? Thank you for saying that. Remember this made, what makes this true? The fact that the marker was on the table. But it is, it's... It's on the table. Yeah. Corresponds to reality. Yeah. When the electrician goes to turn on that light, does the fact that the lights turn on make it true? That he, elect that he made it correct? That he wired things correctly? No. No. The good wiring made it correct. And the turning on of the switch was just the proof that he did it correctly. Does that make sense? The light switch didn't go, aha, that's true now. I got it. No, it was true before he turned on the breaker. Kind of like programming in a sense. He simply proved it to be true by turning on the breaker. But you can make a true false statement about the wiring before testing it. He can make a false statement about the wiring before testing it. The electrical system worked because the wiring was true. It wasn't true because it worked. Again, the electricity worked because the wiring was true. The marker is on the table. It did not work because it flipped on the switch. And the last one, it's my favorite one, that is, that which works is true. That statement is self-defeating. Because we've just shown over and over again that sometimes when it doesn't work, even though we know it's true, I'm just giving you several examples. If the theory is useless and is self-defeating, then why should we believe it? It doesn't work. Right? Um, take the choice to clean your room or not. You choose to clean your room. Everyone, right hand. Good job. Okay? You should do that. Clean your room. Okay? You choose to clean your room, and your mother is happy. You've made a good choice, right? But before your dad gets home, a car crashes into your house, and more specifically, your room, therefore destroying your room. Your energy cleaning your room would have best been suited for another task, would it have not? So would the pragmatic view of truth work in that instance? No. You just wasted your time. You loser. Hopefully your sister wasn't driving the car, your brother. That would make it really awkward. Um, there was not evidence that the car crashing into your room would happen. In light of the pragmatic view of truth, truth, it is unforeseeable to be sure of its effects. Thus, it is unforeseeable to be sure, sure of its truth. If we cannot be sure of the truth, we are left in the pit of skepticism. Otherwise known as your room, which is currently a garage for the out-of-control driver. Fun. Also, the law of non-contradiction. This is one of those innate ideas, I think. That's argued whether it's an innate idea, but I think it's just a brute fact. <clears throat> this is simple. Something cannot be A 
and non-A at the same time. It cannot be an apple and a non-apple. Does that make sense? Okay? So, Shakespeare would have been a great poet. To be or not to be, that is the question. He believed in the law of non-contradiction. <coughs> there is no middle ground, and everyone believes, everyone believes this, even though some deny it. The Muslim philosopher Avancino wrote this concerning the law of non-contradiction. Anyone who denies the law of non-contradiction should be beaten and burned until he admits that to be beaten is not the same as not to be beaten, and to be burned is not the same as not to be burned. That's harsh. I know. But if you ever come across someone who's like, the law of non-contradiction is not true, punch them in the face and say, is that the same as non-punching you in the face? Yes, I'm, I'm advocating for violence in that situation. It's okay. Okay. They simply cannot both be true. Um, people who disbelieve the law of non-contradiction claim the following. The example that God healed the Christian. Let's use that as an example. To the Christian, this is true. And to the atheist, this is false. Can they be both true and false? No. No. So that's a logical one played out. People, especially agnostics, make this claim all the time. Well, you know, that can just, that can be true for you and your little religion. No, it can't. It's either true or it's false. Like, you can't, you can't both be true. That's stupid. It's stupid. Okay? It can both be false. A magic elf could have healed them. But it can't be both true. Tr they can't both be true. Does that make sense? So that's what the law of non-contradiction claims. That's an example of how it relates with religion. If it works for the Christian to believe in their heaven, and it works for the Buddhist to believe in nirvana, no, they, they can't. There's an impasse there. Okay? It can't both be true. Therefore, pragmatism is not a good test for truth. This is the second one. The rest are going to move much quicker, so stay with me. Yeah, I'll just delete it all. And this is the coherence theory of truth. Not as popular, but you need to be aware of it, and we'll see why. Coherence theory of truth. If the statement... The coherence theory of truth, the statement is true if it's consistent in your system of reality. If I told you, if I did, I know this one's crazy. Okay? If I told you that Patrick Poteet preached a sermon this morning, or even a sermonette, would that fit within your system? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's Sunday. He should. It's that day. It's that time of the week again. Okay? It fits within your system. Okay? If I told you that while I was up here telling you about the pragmatic theory of truth, 
Casper the Friendly Ghost went behind this board and put Patrick Poteet's notes for a sermon in my bag. Would that work within your system? Yeah, a little witch. Uh, no, it doesn't work because you don't believe in Casper the Friendly Ghost. It doesn't work within your system. So I know who have I been talking to? Who are these voices in my head? Why is one speaking in Spanish? I don't understand. Okay. Examination. The system is used by many materialists and atheists, unfortunately, when they're in discussion with a theist or someone who believes in a god. If a Christian told an atheist that God had healed him of a disease, the atheist would deny the truth value of the claim because God does not fit into his system of reality. Okay? God fits into an atheist system just as well as Casper the Friendly Ghost fits into your system. So they're going to deny it on that claim alone. And this also dives into ethics. According to the coherence view of morality, it says something is right or wrong solely by comparing it to the social norms of your specific culture. Something's right or wrong because your culture says it's We voted for it. Okay? The Supreme Court justices said it's okay. Okay? Example. In some Indian cultures, it is typical that at a certain age, you place grandma or grandpa on a boat and set them off to sea. If we did that at Lake Texoma here, we'd be spending a night in counting. Does our view of that ethic... Is there a true view for that ethic? Yes. You shouldn't kill grandma and grandpa by sending them off into the ocean. That's mean. They've outlived their usefulness, let's be real. <laughs> At least in this culture. And they're not going to remember you anyway. Thanks. Okay. Critique. And here's the major critique. The people that hold to this view of truth have to base it on this view of truth. Because they truly believe that their system does what? Corresponds with reality. So I hold to this view of truth anyways if you're always going to come back to this point of view. This should be how we decide our truths. Not... I know, again, going back to ethics and morality, based on popular opinion or whatnot. An always good example, and unfortunately, I've had atheists even agree with this. A good example when you're in discussion about the coherence theory of truth, especially when it comes to morality, is I say, so, if Hitler won, it was good for him to kill millions of Jews and retards and homosexuals. If they're consistent, they gotta say yes. If Hitler won, would it be okay to get rid of all those people? And by rid, I don't mean like send them to the circus. I mean like send them to a camp and not one where you play games at. Okay? Well, no, that's bad. The moment they say that, well, why is it bad? 
What do you base that on? And we'll get to the moral argument for the existence of God later. Fact is, if you're a theist, you can ground morality. If you're an atheist, well, it's Darwinism, survival of the fittest. They didn't make it. Mm. Sticks to be that. Don't be the gazelle, be the tiger. The lion. Tiger's not the gazelle. No matter what the Jungle Book says, which is coming out in April, I'm really super excited about. So, anybody else? I'm so excited about that movie. I'll go watch it. Scarlett Johansson. Bill Murray. They're, they're not, they're in it. Their voice, yeah. never mind. Yeah, I know, that's why I said it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, so that's my, I'm going to end it there. Because um, I think that's the easiest way to kind of break it down. Okay. Does that make sense? That's why this doesn't work. Because you got to ground it in something else. And so you immediately abandon it when you get in the, in, into a corner. Okay? Sorry. Stupid tripod. <laughs> um, it's called the subjective theory. AKA. Relativism. Relativism. Feet firmly planted in midair. The marker. Zach, see his marker? Where is it going to be? Take a guess. No, it's in my hand. Gosh, corresponds to reality. Okay, so the marker's in my hand. Well, you were talking the marker is an object. Okay, so what makes that true is the fact that the marker is in my hand, right? It corresponds with reality. So the marker is the object of the truth. Correct? Correct? Okay. Everyone else who views it is what's known as a subject. So when we got back to this idea, remember when I said true? I circled it, and then I put an arrow, and then I put an eye. Hi. Beautiful. Artistic. You should be Beautiful. So, big eyes. Yeah, poor guy. Um, poor other eye. <laughs> truth. That's the object. Oh. Pragmatism. It's the effect on the object. Subjective theory of truth focuses on the subject. This is what determines truth. The subject. The individual decides what is true and false barely, based merely on his personal desires. This is America. This is the America we live in. Well, I believe this. Because I feel that way. Good for you. Blah, 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 blah. It's true for me, yeah. Every time I hear that, I just, like, I have to leave the room. Because a little bit of me frust is frustrated. Okay? That's, that's, that's foolish. That's foolish. 
Um, definition, one person may claim a proposition is true, while another person can claim the same proposition false. What does that do? That, yeah, it's against the law of non-contradiction. So when the subject determines what's true, we can have different subjects claiming A and not A. And it beats the correspondence, I mean, it beats the law of non-contradiction. Then you are dealing with this, and then you're sitting on the back of a bus, and people are yelling at each other because they, they suddenly believe this law of non-contradiction, and they're fools. I'm just warning you, you live in a society that embraces this to no end. To no end. The fact is, at the heart of relativism is the statement, and this is where you can catch them, this is fun. It's called a trap. And that is there is no absolute truth. There is no absolute truth. So when we say absolute junior high kids, we mean for all people at all times in all places in the same type, same type of stance, circumstance, okay? So does that make sense? Oh, I'm going to get to you in a second. But is that junior high? You get that? Absolute means all, all times, all people, all circumstances. Okay? There is no absolute truth. Zach, you have a question or do you want to answer it? Make a statement. Wow! Great as he is. Someone give him a sticker. <laughs> okay, excellent. So, and I've done that. It's so sad. So, I, this is how it's. So are you saying there's no absolute truth? There's no absolute truth. Is that absolutely true? Uh, nope. Okay? So that statement is what's called a self-defeater. I don't even got to put on boxing gloves. I just got to ask you a question. Is that absolutely true? Well, uh, now that you've mentioned it, uh, how about that Big Mac? Right? Um, relativism is so popular, let's break down some things you might hear. Christians are so narrow-minded. They think they are right and everyone else is wrong. How might you respond to that phrase? <laughs> Outside of laughing. Andrew, with the Spurgeon, sir. Go for it. Thank you, Mike. Is that right? Is that absolutely right all the time? Some people are narrow-minded, Beijing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe that opinion is correct? And that is the only correct opinion? Well, uh, no. Then I guess my correct opinion is correct. Okay? It's self, I mean, in a way, everyone thinks their position is correct. Newsflash, or they wouldn't hold the position. Okay? Even if the person who claims all positions lead to the same place. All truth is relative. Is that a relative truth? It's true for you, but not for me. Is that statement true for you, or is that statement just true for everyone else? Question. Big Mac. Big Mac. I love McDonald's. 
so good. Okay. Last one. We've already talked about it. Absolutely talked about it. That's absolute truth. Absolutely. And that is the notion that truth or sets of truths apply to everyone. Okay, this is going to be a big newsflash for a lot of you. Truth is discovered, not invented. Okay, every scientist knows that. It existed prior to anyone's knowledge of it. Gravity existed before Newton. Amazing. The apple didn't fall on his head and he was like, astounding. Gravity, now apples will hit everyone in the heads. Truth is transcultural. Two plus two equals four. For everyone, everywhere, every time. Truth is unchanging, even if our beliefs about truth change. When we begin to believe, when we began to believe that the earth was round instead of flat, the truth about the earth didn't change, only our belief about the earth changed. And not a matter of opinion. All truths are absolute truths. Now, here is an opinion you might get in a philosophy class. Here's two. Well, the room is cold for you, and it's warm for me. Outside of taking whatever utensil you have and throwing that, don't do that. It's not a good way to get your grade. Um, the, what's the problem there? It's not one absolute statement. There's two absolute <laughs> statements in there. You go, you're absolutely correct. It's absolutely true that it's warm for you in this room. And it's absolutely true that it's cold for me in this room. Truth isn't relativistic. We have two absolute truths. We don't have relativism. Does that make sense? Amazing. Same thing. I, I, I've seen it. I've heard it done with a clock. For you, the clock is on the right, left side of the room. And for me, the clock is on the right. Yeah, it's two absolute truths. For me, it is on the right. For you, it is on the left. Is if there was an imaginary clock over there. Again, the easiest way to prove the lunacy of relativism and the validity of absolute truth is to bring up the life and actions of Adolf Hitler. Really, when it comes to philosophy, he did a lot of good things of making it easy for people. It's like the one positive he gave us. He took away the, uh, it was called the tramp mustache. It's not a movie anymore. You can't wear it without people thinking you're a Nazi. Yeah. It all comes back to this. Correspondence theory of truth. It's our home. It's our happy place. This is a happy tree. And a happy sun. A Teletubby sun. And a little happy stick figure. Is there a flower? Anyone know what reference? Nobody? Oh, Rob Ross. Thank you. Rob Ross. Are you a Rossifarian agent? <laughs> so, how do we know the mark is on the table? Correspondence Because the mark is on the table. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening to the Yak Podcast. I hope you enjoy our uh, series on apologetics. If you want more information on Yak, you can visit us at cccfrisco.org. I hope you'll join us again soon.